and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan, and last week the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine advised farmers that the application process for the 2021 Basic Payment Scheme and the Greening Scheme has now opened. Over the coming days, farmers will be receiving a basic payment pack in the post containing maps and land details. I'm joined by James McDonnell, Chagas Specialist, to discuss all you need to know about this year's BPS. I first ask James, are there any major changes this year? Uh, I'd say for 2021, there's no major change for the majority of farmers that are out there. Um, there's one minor change for tillage farmers. Uh, there's a new straw incorporation measure, so tillage farmers will see that. But I suppose dry stock farmers in general, there's no change um, f- from last year. I suppose this year is a rollover year. The new cap isn't agreed yet. And so we just have a continuation of the old rules uh, with some minor tweaks. Um, solar panels, we now have direction on solar panels and uh, people with agroforestry, um, that has been cleared up as well. So do, people with, with solar panels and agroforestry now know where they stand if, 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 uh, when it comes to doing their basic payment application. And with the extension of the glass scheme for one year, how has that impacted the basic payment applications for this year? I suppose there's no change really. When the glass is continuing on, there will be glass screens that you will see when you're doing your application. So you don't treat them any differently to how you would have completed your form in any other year. Now, there's always been very minor issues around loss in basic payment. Um, the important elements to make sure that are correct are the land area based action. So if you're claiming uh, LIPP, uh, the crop on the land details page must state LIPP because the glass unit used that detail to figure out how much to pay you. But numerical actions like bat boxes and uh, linear actions, they don't have any impact if the information is not on the basic payment application. It's all about having the crop listed correctly on the land details page. So then everything else should fall into place. And is there any update in relation to the National Reserve or the Young Farmer Scheme? Yeah, um, I suppose... The department announced um, a while back that we would have a scheme uh, for 2021 and they feel that there's enough money in the budget to run a scheme again in 2022. So both of those schemes are operational based on, I suppose, the number of applicants that they have had in the past. They feel that they were able to make an announcement, you know, that they'll be able to run the scheme for the next two years. So I suppose... If it's right for young people or farm succession to take place, um, they know there's a scheme there for two years. And if it's right for them to get going, well, then they should uh, get going in their farming career. Um, We don't know what's in the next cap, but I suppose in the draft texts, and I suppose what at a European level they've said is that, you know, that that generational renewal is the term that's been used, that that will continue. So sometimes we get asked the question, should I wait for two years for the new cap or should I go now? And I suppose my take on it is, if you're ready to go farming now, you should go on and do it and get all your ducks in a row and write up your farm plan as to where you want to be in five or six or 10 years time. So that's the way I would look at that. 
James, if you're short entitlements, is there any advantage to renting in entitlements this year? Um, well, I suppose, yeah, there's two sides to that. Sometimes people have spare entitlements because they've lost a bit of rented ground or there's a, there's a piece of ground that had, the scrub has overgrown on it. And, and then there's people on the other side that have managed to rent land, but there's no entitlements with it. So the trading of entitlements goes on all the time. I think last year, the Department of Agriculture completed over 25,000 trades of entitlements. Some are through lease, I'd say the majority of them. And then there's some inherited, you know, through inheritance and when partnerships and things like that are formed. So I suppose the way to look at it is, if you're renting entitlements, there's a cost associated with it. Essentially, you're, what you're doing is you're renting a form of cash. Um, so the lessor has to get something back. The auctioneer doing the deal has to get something out of it. So I suppose you're increasing your payment. Um, and of course, depending on the tax bracket you're in, some of that will have to be, may have to be paid in tax. Some people like to buy entitlements and some people like to lease them. And uh, if you're a young farmer and you meet all the qualifications, you might get a, a free set from the National Reserve. So that, that goes on and um, numbers are increasing all the time. And I suppose from an advisor perspective, if you're going to be trading uh, in entitlements, you need to allow extra time for your appointment because the transfers of entitlements could take longer than the basic payment form to fill. And some advisors are filling as many transfer forms as they are basic payment forms. And there's a good bit of work uh, in terms of time to, to do uh, the transactions because there's two sides to the transaction. Um, there's the lessor and the lessee and actions have to be completed on, on both accounts. And I suppose it's more difficult if you're not the advisor to the lessor and the lessee. So it could be a different consultant in another county so that slows down, you know, the, the movement um, and the work associated with completing those tasks. Is there still going to be a clawback on the sale or purchase of entitlements this year, James? Yeah, uh, I suppose the rules are, are staying the same and the Department of Agriculture and the farm organisations like to keep the rules consistent so that everybody knows where they stands. So if you were to buy entitlements without land, there's a 20% clawback. And that 20% that is clawed back um, contributes to the National Reserve. Um, so that's what happens there. The reserve is also topped up by unused entitlements. So that's something else that, that people need to watch, that you must use all of your entitlements every second year. And when usage is looked at, it's looked at... Um, it's the farmer. So if the farmer uses all the sets of entitlements in his account, uh, he's okay. You know, if he used them all last year, he's okay for this year if he doesn't use them all. So every second year. Um, so the rules are complicated and the department have an, a very simple document with numerous examples if you're worried about, you know, your usage rules. And you can check that on the ag food system. That's great, James. And in relation to the COVID-19 restrictions, how will application forms be completed this year by advisors? Um, I suppose last year we got going and it was a big rush before restrictions uh, occurred to get as many done face to face as possible. So this year, I suppose the way things are looking, it seems that uh, everything might be done uh, over the phone. So I suppose preparing for your phone consultation with your advisor 
uh, you need to think a little bit about that. So different advisors have have different methodologies of doing it. Some advisors I know want the farmer to take out the information pack when they get it from the Department of Agriculture. They want the farmer to write notes. Um, so which fields are being dropped and which ones are being kept and which one is the site being marked out of. So they'd like the farmer to write notes on uh, the maps and the land details page and then maybe send a photograph uh, by email or WhatsApp or text, whatever way you normally com com uh, communicate with your advisor. So the advisor has this series of photographs. When you, so when you have the appointment, you can talk through the pictures. Um, I think some advisors are even doing, doing video call or Zoom call. So I would suggest that what clients should do is make contact with their advisor and find out what, what works best for, for both of you so that you can get um, the basic payment and all the other associated schemes, you know, completed uh, correctly um, during, during the, the, the consultation. When you're doing the basic payment form, it's about the basic payment scheme. It's about the greening scheme. It's about continuing in the young farmer scheme. So there's a box to be ticked there. If you're applying, if you're in an area of natural constraint, there's another tick box. Um, there might be, uh, I suppose, notes that might need to be written on the back page of the form. So once the form is completed, um, it's a good idea to go through the form methodically again and report back to your advisor if there are any errors or even that you know report back to your advisor that you're happy with how the form is done um because when you're not face to face you're not sitting there watching the advisor move the mouse around on the screen so it's a little bit more difficult for the advisor because the second pair of eyes is often very useful to make sure that it, that it's all done correctly yeah so some extra preparation in advance of the appointment is essential and after the appointment yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of the new land parcel identification system that the department are rolling out, can you explain what stage are they at in the rollout? Yeah, so they're in year three of this rollout. Um, I think back in 2019, they started with County Loud. Uh, I suppose it started with a small county with a lot of different enterprises on it. So there was a lot of learning done in developing the new uh, land parcel identification system. Um, last year, they rolled it out through five counties in the northeast of the country, and that seemed to work well. Uh, there didn't seem to be any uh, issues that I could see with it. Um, I suppose from the farmer's perspective, there's five more counties added this year in the east. Um, so Wicklow, Leash, uh, Dublin, um, can't think of the other counties, but eastern counties anyway. You'll notice that you've received a letter from the Department of Agriculture in the, in the last few days, um, and the numbers have changed slightly. There's an extra digit or two in, in the LPIS uh, uh, numbers. You can look at your maps online. You'll probably notice that some fields might be slightly larger and some are slightly smaller, but in the overall, I suppose, context, the amount of land you have will probably remain similar enough to uh, the past. It's a more accurate measuring system. So I suppose the department are just uh, working through the country to get um, so that everybody has, you know, a really accurate uh, measurement of what land they have on the farm. So it'll take it'll take an, another year or two to get it done, um, and it should make I suppose the, the amount of overclaims and that would probably reduce as a result of it. 
And what can be done if a farmer notices that some of the parcels have been reduced significantly? Um, well, I suppose you, you, you can examine the maps and you can put an appeal into place. And I suppose when you're completing, when you're completing your basic payment, uh, you can, the advisor can adjust the size of the field if the boundary is incorrect. So there is a process there that you can go through. Um, I would be very surprised though if fields have been reduced significantly unless there's a there's a boundary change. Um, because I haven't had reports like that from, from the six counties that have gone through it so far. So maybe discuss any issues that they're arising with their local advisor. Yeah. What are the key things that farmers need to be aware of, James, when completing the farm to avoid penalties following department inspections? I suppose in the past, I suppose the main the main uh, areas where people have have been caught on inspection is to do with you know the, the eligibility of the land. So areas covered in in scrub or rock outcrops or under farm roadways or extensions to farm farmyards, those kind of items are are not eligible. So um, you know over a period of time, if there's if your ground uh, has scrub areas on it and the, and the scrub gets bigger, well, then we need to put in some deductions. And if you put in deductions, then you end up with spare entitlements. So those entitlements then should be uh, either sold or leased out. If you happen to need to sell it, decide to sell entitlements, well, then there might be some capital gains tax uh, due on the transaction. Um, I suppose that's mainly where people get caught in inspections in relation to um, the basic payment scheme, land not being eligible. So there was a booklet produced back in 2015, which uh, describes uh, how land is, is eligible or not eligible. And there are some nice examples in that booklet. And ultimately it's the MEA is the figure that you follow. So that's the maximum eligible area in a particular plot. Um, and that booklet describes, you know, how you how you achieve those figures. So it's about watching watching that. Um, and there is, you know, there's a yellow card system, and there has has been some simplification in relation to penalties. Like if the if the reduction is less than three percent, you're just paid what you're owed. But if it goes between three and ten percent. Um, well, then, you know, you're paid the area found minus one and a half times the difference. And if it's under 10 percent and it's your first offence, you can claim a yellow card. So that reduces the penalty uh, to 50 percent of what it would normally be. If you go over 10 percent, there's no yellow card. And if you go over 20, I think you mightn't get any payment. So it's important to check all of the lands that it is eligible. And if there's any changes or sites deducted or extensions to farmyards, um, you need to discuss those with, with your advisor and so that they can be marked out and the claimed area reduced accordingly. Some key things for farmers that they need to be aware of. There are a number of questions around the next cap and you've touched on some of them earlier on that are on farmers' minds. Where are the negotiations at the moment? Yeah, the next cap, I suppose we're, we're ending up being two years late uh, going into it, but I suppose COVID was part of that. And when you have 27 countries in a room to try and get agreement, it's difficult. And we're after, you know, Brexit has delayed it as well. So uh, where we stand at the moment, my understanding um, is that Portugal are current presidents of the EU and they have... Um, 
they have said that they would like to get the cap uh, negotiated by the end of June. So that would that would be great because if it's negotiated by the end of June, we have a run in of a year and a half to get all our systems and rules in place and and schemes designed for the next round of cap. So there would be um, an an easy rollover for the Department of Agriculture to get everything uh, done because there's a lot of work in the background that the clients never see. I suppose from the from the client's point of view, there's a few things that you know, um, I suppose are worried about. One is uh, the value of the entitlements. So for people that are below average, their entitlements will converge upwards towards the average payment. For people that have high payments, they'll converge downwards. And how much downward will they converge is a question. So that has yet to be decided. Um, the minimum convergence is going to be that the, that the guys with the low value entitlements will be at least 75% of the average payment. So in the, in the current system, we've got to 60% of the average payment. In the next one, it's a minimum of 75%, but it could be 100%. And we don't know what year um, we have to reach this 75% or whatever the agreed figure uh, becomes. So it could be 25, it could be, the end of the net of of the next cap in, in December 27 um or it could be full flattened so that's that's one um i suppose scenario and there have been reports done you know by the department of agriculture on the effect it has on on the money in each county and the average farmer um so that's published and, and farmers can look look that up themselves on the department of agriculture website the other thing that i suppose people worry about is I suppose it's the people that have been farming and have now retired from farming and are leasing out their land. Um, so we don't know what a genuine farmer is and a genuine farmer has to yet to be defined. So we often have clients, you know, who have been clients for uh, of ours, you know, all their farming career. And now they decide they want to retire and they come in and they ask us, what can we do to protect our entitlements? Um, and I suppose we have to advise them as best we can as to, to what we think. But we don't know. We don't have crystal balls. Um, so the answer for some people is to continue farming for another 12 months and wait for the negotiations to come through. And then they will have a clear uh, idea as to what happens. And I suppose some of those farmers will have to sell their entitlements uh, or give them up. We don't know what the rule will be. But I suppose. Um, it's it's a known unknown, and um, it happened the last time round. Inactive farmers, uh, hundred percent lessers, they were called, had to sell all their entitlements before they expired. So that could happen the next time round. Um, so I suppose it's it's about keeping an eye on the press, and see what information is is being published uh, in relation to the negotiations as as they go on over the next number of months. Still a lot of unknowns, James. Yeah, and uh, I suppose politics will never change. So, so we just have to, I suppose, um, it puts us in an awkward position as advisors because we're often on both sides of the fence. We have, we have clients uh, wanting to grow their business, so they want to rent in land and entitlements. Um, maybe they're in derogation territory and the loan limits are affecting them and they need to expand their land base um, because nobody wants to reduce uh, stock numbers. 
um, because that's uh, seen as, as reducing the business size. So they're paying out large land rents. Um, can their business cope with it? So, you know, the person taking on the land and paying, paying rent needs to look at their business, see can they afford it? And the person that were on the other side that's leasing it out, well, sure, they're trying to protect their entitlements. And, um, you know, when they ask for advice and they pay you, you have to advise them as best you can. So it's tricky for us um, as a agricultural advisors to deal with, um, you know. So it's, listen, it's life and we just have to, to get on with it. And finally, the DD for when the application form has to be submitted before uh, yeah, so this year we have an extra we have an extra couple of days. Um, it's to do with the fact that the 15th of May uh, falls on, on the weekend. So midnight on Monday, the 17th of May is the closing date. I suppose, given the fact that uh, COVID and uh, some advisors tell me last year that, you know, the no change applications were, were quicker to do over the phone. But the complicated ones where there was land being added and adjusted and entitlements being traded, they were an awful lot slower. So um, I would suggest that, you know, um, it would be a good idea to make contact with your advisor as soon as possible. Um, because we won't feel it before we hit the 17th of May. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's 130,000 applications done in Ireland every year. Chagas do just over 40,000 of them. And if you add on, you know, the transfers of entitlements, it's a lot of applications per advisor. So the sooner you do it, um, the better. The advisor is fresher when 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 they're at the start of the, of the campaign. Um, there's less, I suppose, errors made. Um, and I think, it, you know, it, the advisor is under less pressure because coming up towards towards the end uh, of the campaign, as well as being tired from from going through the same rigmarole with everybody and 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 their form, um, you're not an autopilot, and the complicated ones always end up being being last because there's sometimes you just can't do them because you don't have the herd number moved, um, and that's I suppose. I suppose it's better to do them air, try and make the appointment and do them earlier in the campaign. Um, it's, when there's less pressure, there's less less room for mistakes. That's great, James. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. You're welcome, Patrick. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to James for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie. Or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.